Sam Datto is out in the street this morning. Sam, good morning. Morning, guys. A couple of weeks ago, I was down at Gluttony uh, previewing the Fringe, so I thought I'd do the same thing for the Adelaide Festival. And if you jump on the Foodland Supermarkets Facebook and YouTube live stream, you'll see where I am right now, overlooking the River Torrens. Adelaide Oval in the background. It's just magnificent at this time of the morning sun about to come up. But jumping into the Adelaide Festival, it kicks off tomorrow, the 3rd of March, and it runs until the 19th. The first Adelaide Festival of Arts was held in March 1960, created by newspaper executive Sir Lloyd Dumas and the University of Adelaide's music professor, John Bishop. They were inspired by Scotland's Edinburgh Festival and so formulated a plan and a budget to stage a similar event here in Adelaide. The current Lord Mayor of Adelaide, Sir Charles John Glover, supported the idea and helped generate funding for it. There was a resounding success for the inaugural event. The Adelaide Festival of Arts was staged again in 1962 and then became a regular biannual event. The festival also became host to Adelaide Writers Week, which we have uh, promoted quite thoroughly on 5AA Breakfast. <laughs> promoted. Since 1960. Yeah, we'll go with that. And WOMAD Festival in 1992. WOMAD later became an independent event. The Adelaide Festival was a biennial event until 2012, when it became annual based on an election promised by Labor Premier Mike Rann. And I've come down, as I said, to Festival Plaza which has been undergoing major rework. So the Festival Plaza, a bit of backstory on that. It's a space uh, outside the Festival Centre on King William Street. The biggest stage of the revitalised public space was completed back in 2022 in March. The expansive new public space features six arbours with trees that will form a shady canopy, a 20-metre-long water feature establishing trees and lawns and refurbished artworks from the original Hijack Plaza. Now, jumping back to the Adelaide Festival... It goes over many, uh, many establishments. You've got the Her Majesty's Theatre, Hindley Street Music Hall, Adelaide Entertainment Centre Theatre, Adelaide Town Hall, Queen's Theatre. So it's a big event we hold here in Adelaide. But amazingly enough, on my travels this morning, trying to get anyone to talk about it or even know what it is was amazing. And I've got to admit, yesterday, talking to Will and the boss, I wasn't too sure what the difference between the festival and the Fringe was. <laughs> but I was, able, I was able to chat to a couple of guys this morning. So I'm here with Tyler, mate. Do you, have you ever been to the Adelaide Festival? No, I have not. Mark, Adelaide Festival, are you one to go along? Yeah, yeah, I go along quite regular. When, do you know when it starts? Uh, I think it's around about the end of February, yeah. towards the end of March. Uh, Adelaide Festival versus the Fringe, which would you head along to more? Probably Festival. Couple of festival enthusiasts so, down there. Yeah, I don't know if that's a resounding success for the Adelaide Festival's de- uh, promotions I think, department. I think, but I think, Sam, in your defence, the culture vulture crowd, they're, they're probably like early morning people. They've probably been out watching an eight-hour production of the Mahabharata until 3am or something like that. And, and in yeah, your defence, too, I'll, you're, you're more a... Ba- we were talking about the VHs just now before you came on the line. You're more of a Bathurst guy than a going to see the Kronos Quartet type guy, so it's not your fault. Yeah, I, I wouldn't need a script for a Bathurst stats, I can tell you that. <laughs> Good on you, Sam. Sam's out on the road for us. i tell you what, you're watching on the Foodland Supermarkets Facebook and YouTube live stream. Sam put up some some images of the just the Riverbank precinct because it's dark. It's all lit up like it is at night time. It is just spectacular these days. Beautiful. The sum of the development that's happened down there, you know, bit by bit, be it the Festival Plaza being the most, the most recent part, but the Adelaide Oval redevelopment and then the, the integration of the casino and that whole riverbank area now, I, I, I presume, because there always is in this town, there would have been a host of people that protested probably every step of that development. It is just magnificent. It is beautiful to look at. It's Just if you're down where Sam was, just watch out for falling balsa wood. That's uh, the only issue down there at the moment. <sighs> 
Is he? Yeah, it's it's, it's on that side because it's par- affecting Parliament House traffic, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, look, you can't have everything. David Pemberthy and Will Goodings, six to nine, five double A breakfast. Let's catch up with Sam Dado, who's out on the road for us this morning. Sam, good morning to you again. Morning, guys. I heard your text message just before eight thirty about the guy complaining about too much crows chat. So, just in the interest of fairness, head down to the precinct at Alberson. It is amazing. But <laughs> this morning, I find myself down at King's Reserve. I thought I'd make the trek down here to Theberton <laughs> after having uh, Olsen on just before your club chairman. So, just running through what the crows are planning to do down here: the reorientation of Thebby Oval. They're going to bring in some internal connecting roads and car parks, obviously bump up the sporting facilities, a new footy building, new playground area, open lawn and new tree planting on King's Reserve, temporary event parking and access, that's for game days. Talking more about Theberton Oval, they're going to, any new light infrastructure will be subject to development approvals, public access to Thebby Oval and the secondary oval, open spaces will be maximised during daylight hours. The big one for the locals down here, access to the King's Reserve will not preclude pedestrians and dog walking with access to King's Reserve area for dogs maintained as it currently is. The community engagement survey is available online or here at the Theberton Community Centre. But a few moments ago, oh, before I jump to that, this morning I've been here for about 40 minutes. 14 people and 9 dogs have been using the reserve, so there are people using it. And a few moments ago I caught up with Harry and Josie. Josie, how often would you use this reserve? Um, I come every morning uh, during the week, and on weekends I probably come twice a week, uh, twice a day. Harry, have you? Yeah, same, at least six days a week. Thoughts on the whole crows redevelopment and them wanting to move in here? I'm not in favour, to be honest. I'm quite happy for them to take um, Theberton Oval over there and use that, but we really would like to retain this space for community use and not have it developed. My, my biggest concern is the increase of traffic. We yep. already have, with the brickworks, a huge line-ups on Ashland Parade every day and bringing in the crows is going to bring extra traffic and I think uh, any redevelopment really needs to consider uh, traffic flow uh, on a bigger scale in, in this suburb. It's also, uh, I don't mind the idea of the crows taking Thebiton Oval. I think that's a great idea. But I really worry about the second MCG-sized pitch that they're proposing where we're going to lose trees and lose our green space. So, yeah, that's the that's the view down here at King's Reserve this morning, guys. Good, good on you, Sam. Thank you. I mean, none of that... No one loses access. The MCG-sized pitch is just white lines painted on the grass. You've mm. still got the grass. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, people have got every right to say what they think about how things are going to... You still walk Pad your dog down the there. Local area. But yeah, they, people can say what they think, doesn't make them right. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily make them right. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a long and drawn out process. They should, you know what? They should, the, the, the crows, they, they need to, there needs to be a plan B. If residents are going to kick it, it'll be plan D. <laughs> yeah, well, that, but it will be plan D. It will be plan it's been, D. Aquatic Centre, Brompton, Thebiton. What's next? Do it at the Morfordville redevelopment. Put it in the middle of Morfordville Racecourse like they do in other, other parts of the country where they develop the middle of them. Well, there's a whole stack of land there. Why not? Aren't the horse training facilities moving? Yeah. But isn't it, isn't it too far away from town? Wouldn't that be the argument? It's a 15-minute drive well, on, a, on a good day. At what point? Not in uh, You know what? You want to make club rooms convenient, but at some point in time, you want to build a state-of-the-art facility that a club that aspires to win a premiership in the next few, five years can can achieve that. And I think you've got to put the well-being of the actual... The, the club exists to play a fo- play football. 
And that needs to be the overriding you know, outcome the, of a the, headquarters. The person who's gone closest to actually going into bat 100% for the Adelaide Football Club is one of South Australia's biggest port tragics, and it's Peter Malinowskis. And I know he did it with one eye on the election result, but during the campaign where he said, listen, this whole tendering thing with Bowden, and I know it didn't end up getting pursued and there were legal issues around it and all that, but when he went into bat for Bowden and said this is exactly the kind of thing that will be perfect for what is actually his electorate as well, that was the first time since the Adelaide Oval upgrade that a political leader in this state had recognised that the Adelaide Football Club, whether you like them or not, it is the biggest organisation in South Australia. Mm. Yet it's been treated by so many people in politics, particularly at the local government level, as almost, almost like, you know, an organisation you need to rally against. We are very lucky that in like, this country... Do they country, do that in Dallas with no, the Cowboys? The, oh, this is the point do they do make. that in Manchester? Here's the point. We are incredibly lucky that we live in a, we live in a country with a major sporting code that does licensing and not franchising. Because if it were the case that these were clubs privately owned by billionaires, the Adelaide Crows would get up and leave. They would leave. And you look at the, the last 50 years of American sporting history and tell me that is an unrealistic point of view. If they don't get sympathetic local governments, they move to another city. Well, the problem If, if you get local residents saying, we don't want you here, guess what they do? They leave. We are lucky. We are lucky that that's not the case in Australia. The problem, too, is that the 85% or whatever it is of residents in Thebanon and environs who couldn't give a toss about this either way, they're, they're not the dominant voice in this. Mm. Yeah.